Hello, and welcome to another episode of Whole and Complete Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Shante, and Whole and Complete is all about faith and wellness, loving God, and living well. And so we have reached the end. We are landing the plane on the Mama Trauma series. And I thank all of you who have listened and shared and given me your feedback and all of those things. And as I am want to do, especially for a topic like this, I wanted to bring in a clinical perspective, a professional perspective with respect to mama trauma. And just for the record, mama trauma is not one of the, you can't open up any sort of like psychological book and find that term. Um, it's, that's my definition. And, and I've shared how I've experienced it. But I did want to bring in someone who was very well versed in this. Dr. Pianita Harris is in private practice as a marriage and family therapist and has been practicing for over 18 years. And her specialty areas are relational repair with couples, family of origin, relational trauma, cultural trauma, and that spiritual integration piece. And she has a master's in marriage and family therapy, a doctorate in clinical psychology, and multiple certifications. She's an ordained minister for over 25 years, and she's a Black woman, to which I'm very proud. When I see Black women in these spaces, I'd be like, yes, sis, do that thing. You Go ahead with your bad self. So welcome, Dr. Harris, to the show. Oh, thank you so much. It is such an honor to be here. I am so glad to be able to just sit and talk about this topic, uh, such a needed topic to discuss in our communities. Such a needed topic. And with all that she has going on and caseloads and all of that, she actually took the time to listen to the previous episodes. And so when we got on this morning, she had like pulled out her her matrix of things she wanted to talk about. She said, I want to talk about this theorist and I want to talk about that subject and I want to talk about that piece. So I'm like, okay, sis, let's do it. Um, I think one of the first things that you brought to me was, was Eric Erickson. So please introduce to us briefly who that is and what that has to do with mama trauma. Yeah. So, so Eric Erickson is actually uh, the founder of what we call the psychosocial stages in psychology. And he has actually... He created these stages and they're stages that for most people who uh, are learning clinical psychology or knows clinical psychology, they are well aware of the stages that he creates. And so the stages are from birth to 18 months and then from 18 months to three years old, from three to six years old, and then from six to 11 years old, and then going into puberty and then from the early 20s to your early 40s, and then from 40 to 60 years old, and then 60 years old. Uh, and the reason why I think that his stages are really important for the African-American community is because we actually experience life across the lifespan just a little bit differently than how Dr. Erickson explained it in his psychosocial stages. So for instance, I will just narrow it down to the last four stages, which I think is really critical for the topic that we're talking about, mama trauma. and so. Usually what happens as we continue to grow and develop, we kind of figure out that, hey, something went wrong here, right? Mm -hmm. And when we figure that out, usually, most times, we are somewhere in either as an emerging adult, which is in our early 20s, somewhere as we uh, continue to go through our early 20s, and then usually somewhere in our early 30s, we start to really deal with some of the issues of the trauma and how trauma has really impacted us in our own individual lives. Well, one of the stages that he actually calls is the early adulthood stage. And that is between the early uh, 20s and 40s. 
And what he says is that in this particular stage, this is where we actually start to struggle with the psychosocial conflict of intimacy and isolation. Mm. Now, for African-Americans, it, it has been known to be just a little differently. When I look at one of our theorists that's really respected in our community, which is Dr. Joy DeGruy, she has actually coined the phrase of post-traumatic slave syndrome. She really breaks down the Erickson psychosocial stages to really be able to make it true for us as a African, as the African-American community. So one of the things that she really talks about is she said, listen, there is an unfavorable outcome because of post-traumatic slave syndrome. And what post-traumatic slave syndrome actually results in is it actually results in vacant esteem for us, ever-present anger, and racist socialization. Mm -hmm. So because we have to deal with that as African-Americans, when we look at this young adulthood stage in the Erickson psychosocial model, what we truly have is we really have a conflict in our love relationships because we are struggling trying to figure out intimacy and isolation. And because we already have this vacant self-esteem going on, it truly creates this huge conflict for us. So usually what happens is it results in avoidance of commitment. So when we really start to talk about you know, how mama trauma really starts to pan out, we truly start to struggle in ways that might bring up some of these questions about childhood trauma. Okay, hold on. Like, <laughs> y'all, y'all see what I'm talking about? When, when somebody know their stuff, they know their stuff. Okay, so let me pause here and make sure that, that I understand. Because one of the things that we've talked about on the show is how motherhood can bring out because motherhood typically happens in that span, that 20, that early 20s and on, it kind of brings up some of the things that have not yet been resolved. And it sounds like what you're saying is, is that for African-Americans, many of us have been raised by people who already are struggling with some things that have just been passed down through the generations, things that we may not be consciously aware of or talking about, but are still very much present. That is so true, Dr. Shante. One of the things that I definitely encourage people to do is not only talk about what happened to them, but also talk about what happened to her and what happened to him. Her and him, meaning your parents. Hmm. Because the reason why I talk about it in that full scope way is because usually what you are actually suffering from, if you have experienced childhood trauma, is you're actually suffering from something that has happened to one or both of your parents that when they showed up and actually had you, they were just unable to give you. And this is not to make excuse, excuses at all for the trauma that may have happened to you. But part of this is truly about the idea of how trauma in our, in our communities can be transgenerational. Okay, so let's pause. Let's pump the brake because listeners, I don't want you to miss that nugget that was just dropped. What happened to them is still happening when you're experiencing childhood trauma because it's happening to you. So whatever happened to them 
has carried forth. It has jumped into a whole nother generation and has manifested itself. Here's one of the, the things that occurred to me recently about manifestation. A lot of people think that manifestation is I've created something. That is an iteration of manifestation, but manifestation is also the revelation of something. Something has been revealed and in order for something to be revealed, it has to already be there. So sometimes it's the parenting that reveals these issues that have not yet been resolved and they come to light as it were through parenting when people realize I don't have the tools, I don't have the wherewithal, I haven't resolved this thing that happened to me as a child and now somehow it's come and and my child is the unfortunate beneficiary of that thing that I have not yet resolved. Is that what you're saying? Yes, that is very true. Let me give you guys a quick definition of intergenerational trauma or transgenerational trauma. Sometimes, depending on who you're reading, those terms can be used interchangeably. But the, the definition is, a, it's a psychological term which asserts that trauma can be transferred in between generations. So after a first generation of survivors have experienced trauma, they are also able to transfer their trauma or the behaviors that have been left behind because of a, a personal traumatic experience to their children and further generations of offspring, you know, through behavior. But there's also a group of uh, researchers that's actually researching the epigenetics of this as well, because there's a theory that actually says that this can also be transferred down through genetics. Wow. Mm -hmm. That... So let's give a, an example. Let's mm -hmm. say, for example, you were raised by a parent that was emotionally distant, unavailable, what have you. And as we talked about already in the podcast, when you have trauma, trauma leaves gaps. It just has, there are places you just don't get to in the normal development of things. And then you have a child and let's say that child is running along and, and skins his knee. And we might think that the normal thing would be to go and, you know, oh, baby, you know, let me see, let mommy kiss the boo-boo and that sort of thing. However, there might be a parent who has a gap that that doesn't occur to them. They're like, get up, shake it off, walk it off, that sort of thing. And it's like, okay, whatever happened to that parent that allowed them to be emotionally unavailable has now transferred to this child because instead of being there to kiss the boo-boos or get the iodine or what have you, it's like, get up, walk it off, shake it off. Is that consistent with what you're, you're describing? Exactly. And, and I want to emphasize again, just for a, a moment, I am not making excuses for traumatic childhood experiences. But what I am saying, right, is that there is no way that you can actually do what you were not taught, mm. right? And so when we start to talk about our childhood experience and we start to talk about relationships with our parents, you know, what we're really talking about is also relationships that that parent had with their parent. And we're also talking about relationships that that parent had with their parent. We're literally going back generations so that trying to make sense out of the trauma that we actually see and feel in our bodies and, and the trauma that we see in our own lives today. You know, it's interesting that you bring this up. I started to reach for the pink tambourine. I don't know if you're familiar with my pink tambourine, Dr. Harris, but I do have 
All right, we're going to church. I've been preached the whole word in 15 seconds. I'm like, let me go ahead and just shake the tambourine on that. But here's something that you said that is is very, very key. And I think this is the reason why people have, have gone back generations to, to get at this, especially for our community, mm-hmm. is that there are some things, you think about something like slavery. That's not that's not a thriving environment. That's an environment where you have to survive. That is an, an environment where you have to do some emotional regulation to think about the emotional regulating that you have to do to give birth to a child that you know you're never going to get a chance to raise and to know that that child is going to be offered up to a life of servitude and abuse and things like that. The things that you have to do to survive and continue to pick cotton and carry water and chop wood And I fast forward to how many of us struggle with emotional vulnerability. Like what? I used to be that. Uh, Hey, hey, Mm -hmm. I am that person in recovery. I'm like, emotions, what? Try paying tears with your bills. You know, I mean, try paying bills with your tears. You know, you better suck it up, soldier on, you know, because I felt like there was no room for that. There was no space for that because it's about survival. But there's the things that you have to do to survive are not the things that are going to translate well into healthy relationships. At least that's what I have found out. Has that been your experience? Have you seen that? Of course. And you know, you talked about it. I think it was in your episode three, maybe uh, where, where you actually talked a little bit about some of the lessons that we learn, right? Like we learn how to uh, suck it up and, and not say anything. We learn how to sit with our pain. We learn how to stay in discomfort longer than what we have to. We learn how to stay silent, right? And that's something that is absolutely taught throughout our community, right? We, we're taught as, as children, whatever happens in this house stays in this house. Exactly. And, and in that, there, there is this loyalty that we feel, right? To uphold that, even in the moment of when we might be in pain individually ourselves. We want to uphold this image of this family, right? We want everyone else to believe that, hey, this house is good. This house is healthy. We're doing all right over here. But everybody in the house might be in pain. Everybody mm. might be in pain. And But we, we are locked into this double loyalty, you know? And so loyalty to ourselves, loyalty to those who run the house, you know, loyalty to, you know, big mama, big sister, loyalty to who all, whoever is around in the family. And so it could be a true, a a true struggle. So glad that you said that because recently I had a friend who joked that mothers are like viceroys is is what she called it. You know, these gangster, larger than life personalities that wield all this power and control and are hard to take down for that reason that you just described, that there is this this loyalty and that any disparaging comments about mamas, especially in our community, like, what? That's your mama, you know? And so it becomes very hard to navigate the space between loyalty and wanting to heal from some of the things that may have happened underneath that roof. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, you know, I would say that, uh, you know, the matriarchs in our community uh, have been painted in many different ways. Like there's stereotypes, you know, of matriarchs in, in our families. But I would say that that sounds more like a misguided matriarch. 
I think that, you know, for years we have had misguided matriarchs in our community. I'm not saying that uh, that there is a misguided matriarch in every African-American family, but I am saying that there are some misguided matriarchs in some of our families. And those misguided matriarchs shows up with uh, the need for control, the need to know mm. that everybody knows that they are in control. They show up with unfairness in how they make uh, decisions, the lack of wisdom. They show up truly in ways of fear because when you think about control, the reason why control is around is because there's so much fear. And so it sounds like that's a misguided matriarch. A matriarch, a true healthy matriarch, is someone who also wants you to grow and will provide a safe space for you to do that in, will also praise you and encourage you will also, you know, be the one who will say, hey, you're going down the wrong path, come back over here, and we'll do that with love. A healthy matriarch will uh, help you get through some of your scraped knees and, and your boo-boo and some of your shame and some of the things, poor decisions that you might make without uh, shaming you additionally. And so, so some of these stereotypes of matriarchs in our families are truly unhealthy stereotypes. I'm so glad that you said that because it's actually a good segue to how I want us to kind of wrap up with, with just some practical things. One of the things that has been made clear through just my own process of therapy, through many books that I've read, is that trauma, it, it, you can't erase it. You know, you just, it's, once the toothpaste is out the tube, once the grapes are off the vine, that is it. And yeah, there are lots of people listening that are parents that are like, I want to disrupt the cycle. You know, I want to, I don't want to keep passing this down. I don't want to have my kids, you know, talking about their own mama trauma and things like that. So can you just kind of walk through for us what healing from that looks like? What does healing from mama trauma looks like? Where do people start? All of that, like where, from where you, and I know it's a process. It's not something y'all can do in 25 minutes. I'm gonna say that, you know, but it does start somewhere. So where does that start? You know, I, I, I will tell you uh, that part of the, the process actually starts with a commitment to healing because a commitment, because healing doesn't happen overnight. And so part of that is that you have to really commit to actually wanting to be healed and wanting to be on that journey, regardless of how difficult it gets or how long it might be. So mm -hmm. I would say the first thing is a commitment uh, to healing. I think the second thing is that you have to realize that this is not only about you. Yeah, it feels like it is. It truly does. It feels like you have been wrong. It feels like I can't believe, right, that this happened and this is how my childhood went. And I can't believe that, you know, they didn't know any better. But truly, it is not only about you. It is also as well about the parents who were there, who were not there, who made the mistakes, who won't own it, who will own it, who might be regretful, might be haughty, might be proud. It's also about them, you know, as well. And so being able to really think about how are we knitted together uh, in that way and going back again to the whole transgenerational theory. The other thing is don't isolate. Believe you me that there are other people who are also struggling with their own childhood trauma. 
the other thing that I would tell you is to be able to share your story. Once you've figured this out and you understand and you've done the work, sharing your story respectfully is huge. It's huge for you. It gives you a voice. It says, hey, I hurt. It says that, listen, I was in pain and I'm saying, ouch. But we have to know how to share our story so that that story is able to actually move through to healing, not further hurt, right? And then the other part is to actually have the awareness that it could be different for other people, right? So although this might be your story, the way people process trauma really be different for someone else. And so being able to be open to, wow, you know, I have processed trauma in this way, but maybe the person who actually offended me or hurt me or my mom or my dad or my grandmother, maybe they need to actually process trauma in a different way. And Can keep in mind- there for a second? Mm-hmm. Because the, I, listeners don't miss that piece because I know some of you, the feedback I have gotten is this sibling piece. You may have experienced your parents one way and your brother or sister, they're just not willing to go there. Like they saw the same things happen in the same household, but they're just not there. And people feel, for lack of a better term, kind of gaslit. Like, wait a minute, am I the crazy one? Because didn't we all just see the same thing? And even if you saw the same thing, it sounds like what you're saying is you can see the same thing, but you didn't see it the same way. Listen, I will tell you right now, children can be raised in the same home where the same things are happening and each child can come out with a different story. Well, (laughs) and part of this is truly about being able to respect each other's story. Understanding that if the one person's story is different from yours, it does not invalidate your story. Your story is still your story. Where's that pink tamarind? Right. (laughs) You're right about it. (laughs) The other thing that I would say at, at the end of this is knowing your window of tolerance. You know, I said earlier on, you can't process childhood trauma in 30 seconds or 30 minutes. You can't do it, you know, but your window of tolerance is truly about your emotional capacity right? How much can you handle in one sitting? And so that means that you might have to break your story up. It means that you might just have to sit, right? With that one time when you were in deep need and mama didn't come, right? You, you, you might just have to sit with that for about two or three weeks before you're able to move on to something else. So understanding and knowing your emotional capacity to be able to process the trauma is also huge. Thank you so much for that. And listeners, you know, I use this analogy all the time. Ruby Bridges is a hero of mine. And not just because of what she did with respect to the movement of desegregation, but the fact that she was willing to disrupt the cycle, that her parents were willing to disrupt the cycle. And I will tell you, folks, you look at that picture, that Norman Rockwell painting of the the tomatoes that got thrown and, you know, the rocks that got thrown. And I just, I sometimes I've just sat and looked at that. I'm like, who would offer their child up for that? You know, it's kind of like that God so loved the world type of thing. I'm like, who would offer their child up for that kind of abuse? And yet I think about it and I'm like, had they not offered their child up to be the one to disrupt that cycle, 
so many of us that have college degrees would not have been able to go to the colleges that we went to, would not have been able to have some of the teachers that we had, wouldn't even be able to, to have the jobs that we have and, and, and work in some of the spaces that we're able to show up in. And I, I say all this to say is that with respect to this, this generational trauma and how these things get passed down, doing the work, at least for me, has felt like being a Ruby Bridges, you know, it has felt like dang, how come I just couldn't be the one to just go along and get along and just keep the party going? But it just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And some of you are going to arrive at that place where you're like, I can't do it. And I'm just going to be honest with you. <laughs> it ain't no crystal stair. It ain't going to feel good all the time. And it it takes time. But I will say that because Ruby Bridges crossed that line and decided that she was going to disrupt that cycle, her parents making that decision and, and to keep showing up every day. I can tell you that everybody that came behind her, it was easier for them. And that's, that's the part that's going to live beyond the work that you're doing is that the people that come after you are going to, it's going to be easier for them. Like Dr. Shante, if it's okay with you, I would like to give a couple of books uh, as a oh, yes, please for, for listeners to actually pick up. If they want to, you know, really just dig their teeth into into more about this. So the first book that I recommend is Too Heavy a Yoke, and that is by Dr. Sh uh, Shaniqua Walker Barnes. The other one that I would recommend is The Deepest Well. That's by Dr. Nadine Burke Harris, and she really talks about the impact of the ACES study, the Adverse Childhood Experience uh, study. And if you all are interested, and she also has a couple of YouTube videos up that's that's powerful. The other one is Black Girls Don't Cry, uh, Unveiling Our Pain and Unleashing Hope. And that's actually by uh, Angelina uh, Lee, uh, which is also a very powerful book. And then one of my favorites, actually, this is a, I have read this book probably five times now, uh, is Whatever Happened to Daddy's Little Girl, The Impact of Fatherlessness on Black Women. And that one is by Jonetta Rose Barras. Um, and so I think that these are great books that that you can dig your teeth into and really read. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. Listeners, I started to grab the pink tambourine for those first two books because I have read uh, Too Heavy a Yoke and The Deepest Well. So cathartic and instrumental in my healing. I mean, man, it just, it's so powerful when somebody just says all the things that you've been feeling. And so I will be sure to put those in the show notes. Dr. Harris, this has been a joy and a treasure and you just picked it up and laid it down in 30 minutes flat. And I appreciate you for doing that. <laughs> She's in ministry. She's an ordained minister, but she ain't long winded. You know, she did not tarry. And so I thank you for that so much. And I will put uh, all of your resources that you have shared and listeners, if you have any questions, comments, takeaways, all those good things, you know, you can hit me up at Dr. Shante says, and I will see you all next time. Thank you so much, Dr. Harris. You're welcome. Thanks for having me.